Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, and I want to welcome everyone who's listening today, wherever you are listening. If you're listening here in the nation's capital on this cold Saturday morning, but beautiful, the sky is really clear. Welcome. You're listening over Radio One, WOL, 1450 AM, here in Washington, D.C. Welcome to those who are listening. I know there's some listening in Nashville, Tennessee, where it's cold and has had a lot of snow and so on. Welcome to those listening in Texas, where I've heard there's a lot of ice and snow that they're not really used to uh, there. Welcome to those of you listening in New York. Welcome to everyone for listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where we work really hard to bring you information that's so very important to yourself and to generations to come. Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell is sponsored by my law office, which is known as Wills and Trust LLC, where the only kind of law we do is to prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. So please, if you or someone you know needs a will, a trust, or assistance in administering an estate or a trust, give us a call at 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828. And if you're listening right now and you have questions about deeds, about wills, about how, you know, what happens to property when somebody dies? How do you make sure that your property goes where you want it to go? That the people that you want to receive or benefit from all your hard work to live in your home, to spend your money, okay? How do you make sure that they get it? If you have questions about that, give me a call while I'm here on the air. It's a great time to get information. So take advantage of this, please. The number here is 1-800-450-7876. That's 1-800-450-7876. Take advantage and call. Try to call early so I have time to, you know, really give you good answers, okay, about your questions. Um, because I will be here for an hour and a half, so take advantage of this. We are going to talk today about why I say you should not write your own will. In other words, don't write your own will. And I'm going to give you some examples and talk to you about why it is so important that you you get a lawyer to do this for you uh, and not try and do it for yourself. There are a lot of companies out there that will sell you stuff, you know, to say, oh, you don't need to go to a lawyer for this. It's simple. Just get this form, fill it out, and so on like that. Please, don't use forms and don't write your own will. Please. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to give you some examples because this is all I do. And I'm going to give you some examples of people who have done this and what the actual results are of having trying to write your own will and they die and what result happens as a result of that. But before I get started on that, um, let me repeat what I say each, each week. Law is truly powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know about the law will hurt you, but what you do know about the law will empower you. So each week I come on this radio show for the purpose of empowering you so you know what needs to be done and hopefully to inspire you to actually get it done. Because when it comes to wills and what happens to especially property, money, homes, you know, bank accounts and so on like that, 
it's got to be in writing. Okay, once you die, they're not going to hear what your intentions were. Okay, it's got to be in writing. And if you don't write your own will, the law will write it for you. And there's nothing that your loved ones, your family can do about that. Once you've died and you have not taken care of your own business, then you have really not taken care of those that depend on you or have anticipated or expected you to take care of them. So we talk about what the law says, how it deals with things and so on. We try to give you very practical down to earth information and to educate you so that you have the at least initial knowledge to know what the parameters are. But the bottom line is you really do need to go to a lawyer to get these things done. Okay. I also want to repeat what I say each week, and that is that voting is powerful. Voting, you must vote. You must continue to vote. You must get your adult children. When, when somebody reaches 18 in your family, the, the, the birthday party should be to take them down to the voting office and get them a voting registration card and get them registered to vote and make sure that they continue to vote throughout their lives. Voting determines what kind of government we have. Voting determines who selects, who hires the police chief. Voting determines who writes our laws. Voting determines, in many instances, who's on the school board, who's on the zoning boards. There's so many different parts of our government that have a major immediate impact on our lives that you cannot keep your head in the sand and just don't bother to vote or only vote when there's you know somebody really famous and or when you're scared or something. You should vote every time you can and pay attention when you vote for somebody that they do what you want them to do. And if they don't, tell them. Tell them, because you put them there. Your tax money pays for their salary. So I want to each week talk about and encourage you to vote. Make sure you vote. And don't pay attention to people that tell you it don't make no difference, okay? They are disempowering you. They are not your friends. They are your enemies. If they tell you not to vote, it doesn't make a difference. That disempowers you. So please, I beg of you, make sure you and everybody in your family who is capable of voting votes. Law, as I said before, is really powerful, and that's what we talk about here most of the time. Go to my website. I have two of them. One is called lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com. That, that has to do with the radio program. And has many of the programs there. There's another website called Wills and Trusts LLC. I'm sorry, WillsandTrusts.net. WillsandTrusts.net. And both the word wills and the word trust has an S on it. So you be sure to put the S on it. And it's a .net. Okay? There's a lot of good information on that website about what's a will, what's a power of attorney. What's a medical directive? What's a trust? How they're used? And those websites are up so that you can get this information at any time that you want. There's also a podcast of this radio show, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where many of the programs that I've had over the years, I've been doing this for eight years now. Next, next week will make eight years exactly. Each week, every week, there's a program. We don't have all the programs up, but we are getting them up. So open up the podcast, Ethel Mitchell, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell.com, and there you can listen to the various programs. So I want to encourage you, please, to do that. That's important. I'm sorry, somebody's doing something right now. Um, if you have friends that they don't want to get up, uh, Saturday morning so early, direct them to the podcast, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, okay? And there's a lot of good information there. Please remember, however, 
what you hear on the programs, what you see in the websites, and what you see or you hear on the podcast is for information purposes only. There's no attorney-client relationship established by anything that you do, that you see there. This is purely for legal, for, for information and education, but please take advantage of it. Please take advantage of it. Every adult needs to have three primary documents, three really important documents, a last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directives. A last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directives. You may want to talk to a lawyer about a trust, if privacy is important to you, if you have minor children or persons who are dependent upon you, you may want to use a trust to control what you're leaving for them. Uh, if you want to impose a centralized area of control and supervision over the money or the home that you're leaving over a period of time, a trust is used for that. Uh, a trust can also be very helpful when you have property in different states. So if you have a home in D.C. and maybe a home in North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, wherever, it can help to avoid probate. That's one of the things that a trust is very good for. It can help to avoid probate, and therefore, you know, it might be worth talking to a lawyer who does this kind of work to have a trust done for you. Now, I said to you at the very beginning that today I wanted to talk about why I insist that you should not write your own last will and testament, okay? Don't copy somebody else's will. Don't even copy an old will that you had of yourself. Please, if you own a home, and please understand something, you can own a home that you still pay it for. Okay? Maybe it's easier to think of it this way. You have a car. Everybody has an easy way of saying, that's my car. You still pay a note on that car, but that's my car. I want you to understand your home is the same. If your name is on the deed, even though you may still be paying for that home, it is your home. So I want you to start thinking of it. This is my home. I just owe money on it, but it's still mine. And so as a man called in a couple of months ago and asked, do I have to wait until I finish paying off my home? to do my will. No, you should do your will right now, even if there's still a mortgage on your home, okay? But the reason why I don't want you to try to copy somebody else's will, copy your own will, or try to write your own will, or even use a form of a will that you get off the internet, or you get in a store is because so often people who try to do that wind up disenfranchising or disinheriting or really costing their families so much more money than if they had gotten it done right in the first place. The stakes are just too high. Everything that you own Everything that you have worked for, saved for, struggled for, and tried to accumulate in your life and still own now, even with a mortgage on it, okay, you still own it, is disposed of through your last will and testament or a trust if you have not otherwise disposed of it through payable on death beneficiaries or through title where you put somebody else's name on the deed. Everything else, your, your home, 
even life insurance, if you don't have a beneficiary on your life insurance policy, that's going to come through your estate. And your estate exists with or without a will. Okay? Your home is worth, at least in this area, at least a hundred and usually two hundred thousand dollars. Now, would you have a hundred thousand dollars in cash in your home? I certainly hope not. Would you have a hundred thousand dollars in cash even if it was locked up in a box, you know, in your home? Most of us when we when think about it that way realize that that's not a wise thing to do. The cash could get burned up. It could get stolen. It could get fought over by people that you may not, even if you hand wrote something on the top of the box and said, this belongs to so-and-so, or I want this to go to so-and-so after I die. Anything that is to be distributed after you die needs to be distributed in a lawful way. And the law is very, very particular about how and what they're going to follow when it comes to distributing property after someone's death. And that's why I say to you, don't Write your own will. It is more than worth it to go to a lawyer and have your last will and testament properly prepared. There's certain language that needs to go in it. There's certain language that goes with the signing of it. It's, it's a very important document. And for those of us who are black and brown and who have more assets than our families had that we grew up with, we have to also become more and better educated and more responsible about caring for what we have gotten together and then making sure that the next generation is cared for as well. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you have a properly, not just drafted, but execute it, will and testament, at the very least. And if you want a trust, you also have a trust that has a will, that's a special kind of will that goes with the trust, called a pour-over will, and that you have it done by a lawyer that you know, that knows you, and can guide you through it. So let me give you some examples that I have seen in my practice, even recently, uh, it shocked me. This, this, so I'm talking about it today because I tend to talk about things because I do this all the time. And again, if you have questions, call me now while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. I knew a man who actually was a client and he had I had worked with him on the probate of his son. His son had actually died before him. And it was very sad, but, you know, it happened. And so uh, I had worked with him. I had reviewed it, you know, took care of that and um, prepared a will for him. Um, and then didn't hear anything else four or five years. I got word that he had died and uh, the family contacted me because they knew that I had done this will for him. So all of my documents, at least 99.9% of them are scanned, meaning that I can open up the document on the computer while I'm talking to you. And we do that so that they become immediately available. And so I opened up the will that I had done for him. And I said, well, if this is the will, then, you know, this is what's supposed to happen. But they said, no, we found another will. 
And I said, okay, okay, that's fine. He, he, he has an absolute right to have another will done. She, I hoped he had gone to a lawyer to get it done. And I said, send me a copy of the will. So as anyone who works with me knows, we have these secure email portals where you can send things through the portal if you're computer savvy. And if you can't, then we have you to either bring them to the office or mail them in. Copies, only copies. All right? So I did that. And I was stunned at what I found. Oh, my God. I don't know if this is good, but we're going to try and use it because it was done by the person. It said it was prepared by him. It was very clear about who what was to happen, and who was not to inherit from him. He actually said that in his will, under no circumstances. And then it was signed. There were two witnesses, and there was a notary, you know, a notary seal uh, at the bottom of it. And I said, okay, let's see what we can do with this. So I prepared the papers to have it filed in court and had them signed and took them down to the courthouse and had them filed. At the same time, I took another will down that I had, in fact, done for someone else who had had his will done. I had done his will about four, three or four years before, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, I'm not sure. But his wife had come to me and brought, you know, I said, okay, this is what we have to do. And let me make something clear. The law is very clear about how things are handled. And so one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have is that if you have a will, you don't have to go through probate. Well, that's not true. When you have a will, you do have to file that will in court. It becomes a public document. That's why it's a lot of people are beginning to use trust because it remains private. But you file the will in court with the petition for administration of the estate or petition for probate. You ask the court through the appropriate documents to appoint the person that is named in the will as the executor or personal representative to authorize them to take control over whatever property you, the, the deceased person has left and then to distribute, pay the bill, okay, and then distribute the property according to the terms that are written in the will. I'm going to give you two different examples here. One is, one is a will that the person had come to me and done and then changed the will. We did it completely on their own, took it to a notary and had two witnesses to sign and notarize. The other was a will that I had done. And I'm not saying I'm the only one that can do wills by any means. Most lawyers can do a last will and testament. They're done right. They know the terminology. They know the language that has to be in the signing, which is really important, okay? And they know how they're to be executed. So that's why I'm encouraging you to please go to a lawyer and get this done. Both wills had two witnesses that signed. The person signed and the two witnesses signed. And both wills had, in one instance, it was called a separate affidavit that said you know, that the person signed in front of the witnesses, the witnesses signed in front of them, in front of him or her, that when the person signed the witness called a testator, remember the last will and testament, so the person making the will is called a testator. The testator was in their right mind, they were over 18, and they knew that this was their last will and testament, Okay and that they signed in front of 
he, the, person, the testator signed in front of them, and the witnesses also not only saw him or her sign, but the witnesses signed in front of him or her, the testator, and each other. That language is called the attestation clause. And judges are very clear that that makes the will effective if everything else is in order. Now, that was all in the will that I had prepared. It should be in any will that a lawyer prepares, okay? But let's go to, and when I come back after break, we'll go to what the will said of the person who tried to copy their own will and did their redid their own will. They completely redid their own will. They, they had the signature line. They had the witnesses. They had the notary. But because certain language was not in, there was no attestation clause, the court rejected the will. We filed it with the same kind of papers, the same petition for probate, the same certificate for filing the will as the other one, okay? In the case that had the, the affidavit with the attestation and the, affidavit and the attestation clause in the last will and testament, the court appointed, not only accepted the will for filing, but appointed the personal as personal representative in less than two weeks, and that's in Washington, D.C., they are really working faster than they had been before. So I physically take these papers to the court to make sure that they get there, put them in a lockbox, and there's no problem with getting lost in the mail, okay? The only kind of law we do at my law office, which is called Wills and Trust LLC, is Wills and Trust. We assist people in preparing wills, amending wills, preparing trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. And we also help them in probating wills or administering estates without wills. We do take care of properties and people who don't have wills. Okay, there is a legal process called probate for both with a will or without a will. So just because a person died without a will doesn't mean we can't help you. We can. It's just a lot more complicated and a lot more difficult. Um, so number one, please have a last will and testament. Please make sure your parents have a last will and testament. Make sure your spouse has a last will and testament. Make sure your you know, significant other has a last will and testament. Make sure your divorced spouse or partner has a last will and testament. If, especially if you have children by that person, make sure that if your parent has remarried, if you have a stepmother or a stepfather, they have a last will and testament. I have gotten three phone calls in the past two weeks. I talked about this before. I got another one this week of a parent who died, a father who died with a stepmother, and it was an adult child calling, saying, um, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening. They just died a week ago, and um, the stepmother is trying to do everything, and in one instance, they were in a different state. In another instance, they're right here. But the stepmother is elderly and is just not competent uh, to take care or handle this business. And, you know, once somebody dies without a will, although you can do some things, your hands are tied to a large extent by what the law says. And as I explained to both of those adult children who I know love their parents and were loved by their parents, I'm pretty sure of that, that when your parent dies without a will, they have not protected you and they have not empowered you 
to make sure that things go the way they want to go. Now, today, I'm talking about why I'm saying don't write your own will and uh, giving you the example of one person who came to a lawyer and had the will done when they pass their spouse. In this case, it was a man. Their wife brought the will back to me. I had done the will. We went to we filed the papers. We went to court. The courts are working much more, much faster than they had been. For the past two years, it's taken us months and months and months to even get a response from the court, in especially in D.C. where they were actually closed for a long time. Uh, then they, when they opened up, they had this huge backlog. Judge Christian did a. Uh, a Zoom meeting with the lawyers of the probate bar and explained how many pallets of mail that they had gotten, and all of them had to be gone through, and all of them had to be, you know, properly docketed, scanned, and everything. Um, but they've they've really come a long way, and so they really are trying to not just trying; they're doing. Uh, working much faster, at least in responding to the initial um, filings, okay, in responding to them. It doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory and moving at the speed of light, but it does mean that things are much better. So I gave the example. Oh, and by the way, if you have a question while I'm on the air, please call right now, 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876, and I'll be glad to try and explain uh, in more detail what the law has to say. Uh, and let me repeat, as I said at the beginning of the program at 830, there's no attorney-client relationship established by anything said on the program. This is really for educational purposes, to give you the information that empowers you. Today I'm, I'm explaining by example the, the differences in how a will that was done by a lawyer, it doesn't have to be me, it so ha- those are the ones I know, it could be any lawyer, was handled by a court and the will that was done by someone who did their own will, who actually copied some of the things from an initial will that had been done by a lawyer, okay? But they decided they were going to make their own will. It's all typed, it wasn't handwritten, it was typed up. It looked right. It looked, you know, it wasn't quite fancy like a lawyer might have it, but it looked adequate. I'll put it like that. And there were two witnesses signed. There was a notary on it, but it was missing some really important language. But as I told the person that had been appointed, let's try it. Let's take it to court and see what the court says. Well, the court rejected it. Took them four months, but just this week I got a rejection saying that the will is rejected because it didn't have the proper language. And guess what happens when that happens? The court did give us, because they did have two witnesses and a notary, the court gave us the opportunity to find those witnesses and have those witnesses execute an affidavit that has the language in it that any lawyer that would have done the the will would have had. The court wants those two witnesses that signed the will as a witness to sign the affidavit of witnesses, which verifies that they this was a last will and testament. They saw the person signed. They were in their right mind. They signed after that person, and they signed in front of each other. I'm simplifying it a little bit, but that, that's called the attestation language. But the problem is that nobody in the family knows who these people are. This self, you know, this person who decided to do their own will went to a bank, had the bank notarize it, and have two witnesses who were there. To, and this is not the first will that I've gotten like this. I've had some other wills like this. And in one case, we were able to find the witnesses because it so happened that the people who were witnesses worked in the bank and they still were there. And that was a real miracle because 
That will have been signed at least 10 years before. And thank goodness those same people that went to the bank, or when the person who was the executor went to the bank, he says, oh, yes, we knew this person. He had an account here. And, yes, the people who signed the will, because the, their, their, their names are there, and they were printed as well as signed. So they knew who they were. We were able to find them. Okay, but in this next case, we may not be able to find them. And when I come back after break, I'm explain to you how that could totally delegitimize or totally change the way in which this person's estate, and it's a big estate, is going to be distributed because they decided to do their own will. So I beg of you. Don't do your own last will and testament. Don't even copy an old will. Come to a lawyer and let us do these things for you. That's what we're trained to do, okay? We make sure that the language is proper, and we make sure that it's executed properly. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I want to thank everybody who's listening in. I'll be here for another 45 minutes, so call in 1-800-450-7876 or call me at my office, 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to work with you, to send you the packet of information, how we start our process and get these documents done for you. It's really important that these things be done. And today in particular, I'm talking about how to make sure that your will is done properly because when you die, we can't fix it. We can't undo it. We can't change it, all right? I had a long conference call with the family about a trust that they wanted to change, but the person had died, and so the trust was irrevocable. Um, sometimes you can come to agreements about distribution and so forth, but once somebody dies, it's really usually too late to make changes to anything that they've said. So it's important that you get what you want done, done while you are alive and done in the proper way. So I've been talking about the examples of one last will and testament where a person died and the will was done and executed under the supervision of a lawyer and another one where even though the person had an original will done by a lawyer, they had decided they would do their own will. And they copied and put down, it was clear what they wanted, fairly clear at least, it could have been done, but they didn't realize that there was language in the, you know, what people call legalese, there's a reason for that legalese. There's a reason why the court wants you to certify when you sign a will that your witnesses are present and they saw you sign. So can't nobody have you sign something and then come to somebody else who's not even looking at you. They don't know who you are. Or they may know who you are, but they don't know if you signed it. Somebody else could have signed it. So it's in all these little parts of the law that are, are insisted upon and are, must be proven or must be stated in a way that's acceptable to the court. That's why the law is so powerful. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why the law says that if you are in the will, you can't be a witness to the will. So again, that's another little known part of the law. If the will says I give everything to Jane Doe, Jane Doe can't be a witness to the will. Okay? Uh, if, if the will says if the will is signed and then taken out the room and somebody else signs it and they can't say that they saw that person sign, 
uh, and that the person seemed to be in their right mind and that they knew it was a will, and, and this is what they wanted, the court says then, if you can't attest to that, then we're not going to accept that as a, a enforceable expression of the intention of the testator or the person whose will it is. And so what happens when the court looks at a will and it says it doesn't have that language in it, it rejects the will and it says, in this case, because they did have two witnesses, if you can find us those two witnesses and have those two witnesses to sign an affidavit that they saw, yes, this is their signature, and yes, they were with the person who signed it as a testator, and yes, that person was an adult and in their right mind. They saw them signed, and they signed it in front of them and in front of each other, and they know of no other will. Then they will accept the will. But you see, if that language had been in the will in the first place, we wouldn't have had to worry about it. We wouldn't have to face the very real possibility that this will may be deemed to be invalid, which means that instead of the property being going the way this person wanted it to go, said it should go, it's going to go to the very people that he was trying to avoid getting his property because it's going to go by the law of intestacy. I had another case where similar situation um, the person decided they would write their own will. I think this person was in the hospital at the time. And actually what they did was they told somebody else to write the will for them. Unfortunately, that somebody was the person that was getting everything in the will. So the person that was getting everything in the will hand wrote the will, did not put it in right language, called, said it was power of attorney, that is a last will and testament, but, but the language was that the testator, what we would call the testator, a lawyer would call the testator, was giving this person, naming this person as power of attorney, not executor, and that this person was to get the property. Well, needless to say, that was rejected. That was rejected by the court. It was not signed. It had no witnesses, no notary. Enough. I think there was a notary. I don't know how they did that, but there were no witnesses. Um, and even though there were people in the room that saw the person sign, they didn't sign the document themselves. So even though we could have gotten people to say, well, we saw him sign, the court won't accept that. The court would not accept that. And so now instead of being able to get the will admitted and control over the house and the money and so on going as that person wanted to be distributed, as that person wanted. Now, instead, we've got to go find these two strangers. In the past couple of months, I've hired private investigators to find people who were named either as beneficiaries uh, in a will or a trust because we don't have any addresses, or the addresses are not um, are not current. Because remember something: a last will and testament is often signed many years before the person dies, so it's not used right away. If you don't have the proper signatures the proper attestation clauses for the witnesses in particular, you don't have their addresses. That's another thing. When a lawyer does a will, usually the address of the witnesses is put next to their name. So you have the name of the witness and you have their address. So it makes it much easier to find them, okay? When I do trust, for example, quite often I insist 
that people give me the addresses of their intended beneficiaries and their phone numbers. And even though in a trust, I, and even in a will, we may not put all that information in the will because that becomes a public record. We may put it as an index, or we may put it as an addendum, or we may put it as a separate page that's included for information purposes. So when the person dies, we can find the people that are to receive the money, okay? You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give me a call while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876 if you have questions about wills, about trust, what happens to property when people die, bank accounts, life insurance policies, and so on. 1-800-450-7876. Or call us in the office at 240-638-2828. We continue to work. It is the only kind of work that we do. We work remotely. Okay, we do audio conferences, video conferences. Everybody's vaccinated and masked and, you know, we wipe down all the tables and the, the, the pins, the only time we meet is when you come in to sign your documents, okay? And then my own staff are witnesses, and then we make the copies, give you your originals, and you go on. And in between people, we wipe down the table again with, it, with the uh, inks, pins being, you know, disinfected. Everybody's temperature is taken. Everybody is masked. So we continue to work and taking as many, you know, precautions as we can. But we are continuing to do this work, and it is the only kind of work we do. So give us a call at 240-638-2828. I'm trying to give you an example of, or examples of situations that I've seen in my law practice where people did that. They wrote their own wills. Sometimes they copied their own wills. Um, you know, um, lawyers go to school for a long time. We finish college, finish high school, then we do four years of college. We do at least three years of law school. Uh, then we have to pass a bar exam. Uh, uh, we have to become admitted to the bar in whatever state we're practicing in. Um, uh, sometimes that means we have to take another bar exam. Uh, sometimes we can waive in, not always, but quite often we have to take another exam. And then even once we start practicing, I've been practicing a long time, we have to take what's called continuing legal education. In the past two months alone, I have listened to, because everything is online now, we're not doing in-person you know, classes, at least not that I know of, in the field that I'm in, um, over 12 hours of different courses to update myself in my law practice, in the subject matter, wills and trusts in the states, in probate in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. There are classes on different aspects of the law, there are classes on management of the law office, particularly during this, you know, COVID period and where everything is going virtual. How do you do that? Uh, but the classes I've taken have been primarily in the subject matter. So I've got over 20 years experience, and yet I am still taking classes and continue to take classes to make sure I stay up with the law. And I am doing for my clients the best that I can and that my practice is up to the standards of the law. So please take advantage of all of this. You know, over the years, we travel, we go to classes, we go, we literally spend thousands of dollars a year just on educating ourselves to keep us in in touch with what's happening in the law and making sure that we're giving 
our clients the best possible service. So it's my invitation to you and my, 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 at least I strongly recommend to you, let one of us work for you, work with you. At the very least, let us review what you have, okay? I will do a consultation with people where they send me what they've already gotten. Either they did it themselves or from another lawyer, whether it's a will or a trust and review it with them and say yay or nay, or this is what, this is how this has to be handled. Uh, if somebody has named you as a, a personal representative in a, or executor in their will, or as trustee of their trust, it's worth it. To, and, it and it's been a while, though you didn't really work with that person or go to that lawyer to find out what's, what's involved in doing that. It's, it, it, I would recommend that you have a schedule a consultation where it's reviewed as much as possible. Um, I was listening to another radio show this week where it talks about people dying and the families, particularly even adult children, not knowing what insurance their parents had, not knowing what banks accounts they had, where their money was, not knowing, you know, what the status of the mortgage was or loans or cars or anything, you know, where people just die and their assets are just out there and nobody has control over them. There's a question about what can be done, who, who has the ability to do anything. And a lot of money, a lot of wealth is being lost unnecessarily because of this. Uh, so I beg of you, have a last will and testament done. Don't do it yourself. Get a lawyer to do these kind of things for you. So it doesn't matter. If, well, it doesn't matter if it's me or somebody else. But at least get a lawyer to draw up, explain to them what you want done, and then make sure that you know they do it. That you follow their directions. If you use a will, I mean, if you use a trust, then not only have the lawyer do the trust. Don't buy one of those trusts off the internet or buy one of those trusts off the shelf, please. These are really complicated, complex documents. Have somebody do it for you and then make sure that your deeds are done, your beneficiary designations are done, and your life insurance goes how you want it to go, your retirement goes the way you want it to go, your uh, bank accounts are titled as you want them to be, and they're going to go the way you want it to go. It's, it's important. And although I talk about it every week, once it's done, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You can always change it. But at least you've taken care of business by doing that. And that's truly, truly important. Now, let's get back to the example that I gave you. The one where the court rejected the will. We now have to find the witnesses. This has happened before in my law practice. I remember one case, we had to find witnesses um, of a will that was done at a legal aid society. I forgot which one it was. It was somewhere in D.C. or Maryland. We looked up and found that we identified you know, the will was valid, but the, the, I'm sorry, the attestation clause, something about it was, oh, I know what it was. We just had the copy. We didn't have the original. That's a whole nother story. When you do your will, make sure somebody knows or has the original, all right? Preferably the person that's supposed to execute it for you. It's supposed to not execute, but be the executor of it. Make sure they have the original and knows where it is. Don't just tell them it's at the lawyer's office, okay? I don't keep original wills. Okay, so don't say I took it to the lawyer and then don't tell them where the lawyer is or who the lawyer is or what office it is. I strongly recommend you keep your own will 
and put it where it can be found. Or if you're in Maryland, you can take it to the court. They'll seal it and put it in the vault of the court and tell your per- and give a copy to the person that's supposed to administer it and tell them it's in the vault of the court and tell them what county it's in, all right? And they're just going to keep it there until you die, and then it can be reopened, but at least somebody has it. They don't do that in D.C. They don't, do, they don't take wills in D.C. So you have to have somebody that has it and knows where it is in order to pick it up. Okay, so when a will is rejected by a court, but with the provision, not that it's invalid in terms of it's, it's, it's it, when a will says it is witness, but you need the attestation clauses, then you have to find the witnesses. That means paying money. You know, first you you ask the family or the personal representative, do you know these people? Uh, And then if you can identify whether the notary, sometimes you can see where it was or from the address or something on there, you can find them. And if the person, if you don't have to hire an investigator, you do, you let the, the family do as much of it as possible and see if they can find a lot of times they know the people, you know, that, oh, that was my neighbor or that was my mother's neighbor or somebody. And then they can take, hopefully they're alive, and so then they can take the affidavit, that form that has to be signed to them and have them to sign it, okay? Um, sometimes they've died too, and then you're really in a pickle. <clears throat> sometimes, I think this month I've hired three different private investigators for different situations. Um, one was to find uh, a beneficiary in a trust of quite a bit of money. We couldn't find him. We spent two years trying to find him. And I so I just happened to find an investigator in the state where he had been living. Talk to your aunts, your uncles. Encourage them strongly to do a last will and testament and to work with a lawyer to get them done. Encourage them to get this done while they're still well. Don't wait until you're in the hospital. It's often too late to get it done while you're in the hospital. The restrictions on access, the questions of your, you know, are you, are you in your right mind? Do you know what you're doing? And so on just the practical problems of getting it executed and witnessed, even if you don't get them notarized. It doesn't have to be notarized, but getting them prepared and then getting it witnessed properly because the witnesses have to be present. You have to sign in front of them, and then they have to sign in front of you. And in many hospitals today, almost all that I know of in today's world, they don't let but one person in at a time. And they don't like their staff being used as witnesses for these kinds of things. Uh, so encourage everyone that you know who is an adult to please do a last will and testament. Have a lawyer do it for them. If you are a younger person, particularly if you have a child, a minor child, or an adult child for that matter, you need to do a last will and testament. I'm getting a lot of adult, grown children in their 30s and their 40s calling me. They're already upset because their parent has died. And then when I say, did they have a will? Did he have a will? Did she have a will? And they say no. And I'm like, oh, my God, okay. This is what you have to do. You may not be, you may not have priority to be appointed as personal representative. The stepmother or the stepfather may not want you to do that, okay? And they can they can bar it. They can say, no, Your Honor, I want to be it, and I have first priority. Because the law now governs, regardless of what you said, you may know that your spouse is not able to handle the responsibility of this. You may know that your loved one, who you would like to be able to do it, is not the proper person to do it. You've got to put all of this in a legally enforceable document. And the last will and testament 
and or a trust is the best way to do it. Work with a lawyer, especially one that does estate planning, because we're more likely to also include as part of this process a review of your deed and changes to the deed if it would make it easier to work. We will work with you to look at your beneficiary designations to make sure that they are as you wish them to be. Uh, and we can even put in your will, if you have minor children, who you would like to have custody of them. Um, the court may or may not follow it, but at least you've had your say about it. We're all going to leave out of here. So, and somebody's going to spend your money and somebody's going to live in your house. You have the right to say who that will be, but you have got to do it according to law. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give us a call, 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. We'll be glad to work with you. The way in which we work is once you indicate that you are interested, we'll send you a client information form, or if someone has died and you want us to help administer their estate will send you a probate information form. Those forms can be sent by email or they can be sent and are sent by postal mail. We ask you to either mail it back by postal mail or bring them to the office or email it and we send you a link to a secure email portal to send it back through. When we receive it, we then schedule an appointment, a video conference, if you're available that way, or an audio conference to talk with you about your individual situation, what you want, what you need. I don't do just one document. I don't do just a power of attorney or a medical directive. It's important that you have all three done. And so we ask you who's going to act in those capacity, what's your property, and who is it that you want to get control of it if, or, or to benefit from it. If you want to trust, we explain to you how that would work and make sure that it is according to your wishes. And then we prepare the drafts of the documents. We review them either over the computer with you while we're on the video and then send them to you or we mail them to you so that you can be comfortable that you've seen them before you come in to sign them. And then we try to have at least one more meeting to be sure that you're comfortable, that we say what you want said, we confirm what other documents we recommend be signed if you have a transfer on death deed or beneficiary designation, you have to sign all these things yourself. You can bring in the document, you know, beneficiary forms from your bank, your life insurance companies, your retirement accounts, and we will help you in filling them out. But you have to sign them, and then you have to mail them or email them back. And we work with your agents, you know, financial agents and so on to make sure that um, your wishes are properly, you know, spelled out and you're, you have a copy of everything, you know, uh, uh, from them. I mean, we don't fool with people's bank accounts except to try to guide you to fill out the documents and then you send them in and you're responsible for making sure they're followed up with. And then we help you with the administration of a state's or trust, okay? So give us a call, 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. I do have another lawyer that I'm training now, an associate attorney, um, and I'm giving my staff more training uh, to do more things as well uh, to assist in what I consider to be a very important <coughs> role in everybody's family. If you want to create intergenerational wealth, this is how it has to be done. 
You can have all the intentions in the world, but if you don't get this done, don't tell people, you can talk about it, you can preach about it and everything. You've got to have it in writing, and you've got to have it in a legally enforceable way. So give us a call, 240-638-2828. If you don't live in this area, call a lawyer where you live and have them to do this work for you. It really can make a difference in not just your life, but in the lives of those to come for years and years later. So anyway, get this done, and then it's done. Only takes one time to do it. Secure where they are, and don't live your life, whatever you want to do, okay? Um, I'll be back next week. Go to the podcast, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, and enjoy it. Have a good day. Goodbye.